This is a podcast from Minute Media. And let's get it. This is the Back Row Bengals Show podcast, whatever you want to call it. This is all brought to you by fansided.com. I am your host, Josh Miller. So happy to be back. We are on our third podcast of the week. If you'd like to hear anything about the college football playoff, we have a podcast about that that goes on every single Wednesday, and we can talk about the Bearcats and how they can slip into the college football playoff. If you want to read about more about the Bengals, I got a piece out now on fansided.com. Go ahead on over to the Stripe Hype side. And if you go to stripehype.com, which is a part of fansided.com, you'll find a new uh, submission called the Peaks in the Valleys. But there will be another new submission coming out very soon. And it will be about Joe Burrow and what he needs to do to basically take the next step in the back half of the season. The Bengals start their back half of the season coming off of the bye against the Las Vegas Raiders this Sunday, 1 o'clock game. Uh, it should be an absolute dogfight. Both teams are 5-4. and four. This is a great test for the Cincinnati Bengals. Not only what can they do against a, a good team at 5-4, and four, and you know, and say what you want about the Raiders. They got, they got plenty going on, but they're still finding way to, ways to win games. The Bengals are coming off of a bye. They're coming off of a two-game losing streak. And the last game being a an embarrassing a bar- embarrassing game at home to the Cleveland Browns, losing forty one to seventeen, which is absolutely unacceptable, especially this year when the, the expectations rose so high um, seven weeks into the season until we fell twice one to the Jets and a really bad loss in a second excuse me really bad loss to the Cleveland Browns. That being said, the Bengals can get this all back right here with an AFC win against Las Vegas. Um, so I want I want to talk about first off about well, well obviously we're going to be previewing the game. So let's look at just the team's matchup in general. Obviously, uh, you look at the Raiders and Derek Carr. I, I, I mean, say what you want, but he's he's really not a bad quarterback out of Fresno State. He's held the Raiders up to, you know, quite quite a good standard. He knows how to win. He, he's been there before. He seems dedicated. And he seems like he's been carrying this team through a, a really tough time. Um, but he, they're, again, they're finding ways to win it, through everything that they've been through, which is the coaching change, the controversy, and then obviously uh, their top receiver, Henry Ruggs, um, you know, getting into a DUI accident and, and killing somebody, which is absolutely terrible. Uh, he's been able to find a way to keep this team above water, and he's been able to find a way to keep this Raiders team at five and four, which is which is you know impressive. So we're going to be able to see how the Bengals deal with that. We're going to see where the Bengals stack up against the rest of the AFC. So now we're not just in the North; we're we're around the rest of the AFC. And if you go out and you and you go out and you absolutely whoop. Uh, the Raiders in Las Vegas. Um, that's not only going to show that the last two games are not the the empirical data that we should be using. That it's only anecdotal, and that those losses aren't going to be common. And I think this this buy for the Bengals came at the exact right time. The players were finally able to get away. And I think the the best thing is that Luana Rumo got a chance to really review his entire defense, and that he's going to have to be somebody that. We see take tremendous strides towards the back half of this year. Now, you can absolutely say that this defense uh, for the first part of the year overachieved. Again, let's 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 leave out the last two weeks, and when we'll obviously you have to combine them. But for the, for the seven weeks that this defense has been playing, they've been 
exceptionally good. And they've, they've kept us in a lot of really tight ball games. Uh, you go back to the Jacksonville game where, you know, Joe Burrow had to muster a game ending drive at the end of the game to, to win. You, you go back to green Bay where they held Aaron Jones to a, a very low number until he broke off a 55 yarder in overtime. Might I add on one of the hottest days I've ever been a part of, um, then you go to uh, Minnesota, where the, the defense again pl- played very exceptionally well, and then obviously their their piece de la resistance. I think I said that right. Um, was against the Baltimore Ravens, which obviously we know how great that offense can be, even though they're a little banged up, and even though they have they they have you know basically their entire running back room has been completely diminished. It's down to Le'Veon Bell, who has been nothing like Le'Veon Bell used to be when he was with the Steelers. Uh, but that defense held that team to 17 points. It, it's it, that, and that's so incredibly impressive. So now you throw in the last two games uh, that they played. You throw in the Jets game where they gave up 34 points to Mike, the legend now, the now legend Mike White, who threw for over 400 yards in one game, and now his jersey and the that ball is now in the foot and now in the freaking football Hall of Fame, which is absolutely insane so you let mike white throw that on your defense and if you look at it you look at the game itself you i want to take a look at the scheme because that's where luana romo really comes in it almost is like the Bengals defense was trying to take away the deep threat for most of the game which didn't really make any sense to me i understand that our secondary isn't the top of the league but it's definitely not bad and I got to say, our defensive line and our linebackers do best when we're bringing pressure. But during that game, you you saw the cornerbacks and the safeties drop way back. And you it begs the question, who on the Jets are you afraid of? Like, who's the deep threat that's going to beat us? There was no Devontae Smith that, that beat us, uh, or Devontae Adams that beat us against, you know, when we played Green Bay, where Aaron just threw to him, they they had nobody like that. And then on top of that, how far could Mike White even throw? He threw one ball like over thirty yards, and it went five yards. It sailed five yards over the receiver's head. I didn't quite understand the scheme. Then you go to the Browns game, and you think like, okay, like obviously the Browns are a running team, and we we need to stack the box. We need to force Baker to throw, and it was a lot of the same. You saw a lot of gaps open before the play even started. And looking just at the eye test of the scheme and the halftime adjustments, in which Lou Anarumo, through his tenure so far, has been really good. You even go back to last year. There's a reason why we there were nine games where we only lost by uh, one possession. It was because the defense played much better in the second half. And in both of those games, that was not the case. So Louisiana Room is going to have to find a way to scheme around the Raiders' offense. And a lot of the Raiders' offense is going to be dumping it off to their brand-new tight end, Darren Waller. Darren Waller has been an absolute beast this year, and Derek Carr has been able to find a great connection in that. But a lot of that is coming from dink and dunks, which is something that the Bengals struggle with, and they struggled with it against the Jets. You're going to have to find a way to be able to cover the receivers at you know 5 to 10 yards and then 10 to 15. I think I don't believe that the Raiders have anybody over top that can beat us or a deep threat that I'm actually really scared of. They have some really good pieces. 
Um, they have a they have a really good running back in Josh Jacobs. He, he he's rushing uh, pretty decent. It's nowhere near the top of the league, but but he's still running fairly fairly well. And the again, most of their most of their lead or most of their receptions and most of their yards are coming from Darren Waller. So if the Bengals are going to be able to find a way to beat the Raiders and beat them soundly on the defensive side of the ball, it's got to be locking up Darren. You got to force Derek Carr to throw away from him. Probably a lot of line teams are scheming the way that they are against the Bengals, taking away Jamar Chase. Now, I mean, obviously Darren Waller is going to make up a plenty of plays because I mean he's just an absolute beast. But you're going to have to find a way to at least contain him. And if the Bengals can do that, and the Bengals can hold Darren Waller under 50 yards, which which would be you know very very good if you can hold him under 50 yards. I think this Las Vegas. Uh, this Las Vegas offense will go into a shell, and, and they'll try to start to run the ball. Is where this defense has shined over seven weeks, and the run, de- but the run defense obviously in the last week was was not good at all. So now let's take a look at the player side of the defensive side of the ball. So if you look at specifically the players, this has been a defense that has over exceeded their expectations. Number one, and then it is it has been a defense that has um, played with a a ton of effort and a ton of grit. And, you know, you're seeing players step up that you didn't think you would. Larry Ogunjobi is having himself a hell of a year. He's playing so well, and he's been able to stack up the run a way that the Bengals have not been able to do over years past, and he's found a way to do it. Obviously, DJ Reader has also been an incredible addition to the defensive line, the interior unit. B.J. Hill also, he's been able to stack up the the run and been able to take away blockers. You've kind of seen him go away um, the past couple of games. You haven't really heard his name as much. I would like to see him get more into the backfield. I would like to see him uh, make more explosive plays. But, I mean, if, as long as he's taking up blockers, that's what we need him to do. Next, let's take a look at somebody that we all know is going, at some point in his career, is going to be, an elite talent, and that elite talent has got to be Logan Wilson. Logan Wilson uh, has played absolutely tremendous since he's got here, but then it seems like in in the past two weeks against the Jets and and against uh, the Browns, his tackling has been absolutely abysmal. And I understand that Nick Chubb is you know hard to bring down, but again, we're in the AFC North. There's not really an excuse for not being able to stack up the run. There's not being an excuse to be oh we can't bring him down. He's just that good. This is the AFC North. We're going to be facing Nick Chubb for a couple of years. You want to be able to win the AFC North, you're going to have to tackle him. You're going to have to find a way to stop them. Stop him. You're going to have to find a way to be stout on the on the ground. Another thing that the Bengals um, the Bengals defense has done incredibly well this year, up to again the last two weeks, and it's kind of hard that I'm saying it like this. It's almost like I'm talking about two seasons, which is seven games versus two games, but. The, the one the one thing that the Bengals have been really, really good at is red zone defense. They've been able to stack up teams right at the red zone, keep them from scoring, and force them to field goals, and that has really helped us out. You go back and you and you and you look at Jacksonville. You go to Jacksonville, if the Bengals don't get that stop at the end of the half, Jacksonville will, will go up um uh they'll go up twenty-eight nothing, and at that point it's over. Then you go to Green Bay, and that defense has been kept a great Packers offense. And we've seen the Packers offense be great. Kept a great Packers offense outside of the end zone when they got into the red zone. They got really close. 
then you also go back to the Vikings game again. The defense did the same thing. So it's it's going to be interesting to see this team coming off of the bye. And I think that's why this bye was just in such perfect position. We were able to, you know, get gouged, let's say. We, we get gouged and, and basically get smacked in the face twice. So now we can go back and we, and we take a look at where, where were we not good? Because we over-exceeded expectation in a lot of areas, in a lot of areas that I mentioned. But now it's time for this defense to – they don't have to be top 10. I think we all kind of uh, were talking about this before the season started. If this defense is at least middle of the pack, this team is a playoff team. And for the first part of the year, this team has played like a top 10 defense, and they played like they were the real deal. And clearly that that is has kind of fallen off in the past two weeks. So maybe that was a lot of getting banged up. Maybe it was just NFL fatigue. I mean, the season is a grind. It's a long season, 17 games, especially now coming off of a COVID year. Excuse me. Now you're you're going against, you know, teams with a crowd. You're going against more and more teams. And it's almost like this season does matter more. And especially this year for the Bengals, this is a big season. This is one of the most important seasons in probably the franchise's history. Joe Burrow coming back and with so many pieces added on the defensive side of the ball through free agency, you'd think like, okay, this is where the Bengals can turn the corner. And we saw a lot of that when the Bengals got their two AFC North wins, which is against Pittsburgh and which was against Baltimore. And in both games, the defenses dominated. And it was incredible to see. So. So let's bring that all back. Let's see what they got to do against the Raiders. I, I think both both Luana Rumo and both the players have to have a much, much better game. If we're going to play far off the ball and, and give so much cushion to the receivers, you got to be able to come up and make a tackle. And the tackling has been nothing short of terrible. So now, if you once you come back and you get that tackling back, it, it, they finally were able to rest up their bodies and they were able to see where – you know, they had two weeks to basically dissect, okay, this is where we were wrong. This is what we did really well. This is what we didn't do really well. This is what we had in the first seven weeks that we didn't have in the last two weeks. So you got to bring that all back. You bring that all back, you're good to go. And then this Bengals team finds a way to win. Uh, so if the defense finds a way to at least play like a middle-of-the-pack defense this, this week, they'll they'll be doing pretty well. And I think if Luana Ruma is able to scheme back and find a way to bring more pressure. That's something that we also were missing against the Jets and against the Browns. There was no pressure. There was zero. Now, against the Browns, obviously, they're running more. But there is no reason why Mike White should be sitting back there and throwing for over 400 yards. I understand that. A lot of it was yak, um, which is yards after catch. But at any rate, you still can't let him sit back there and just pick you apart. I mean, he's not that good. I mean, he's Mike freaking White. That's exactly what we're talking about here. I don't really care that, you know, he played well or they're naming him. Joe Flacco is now the starter in New York. So they got to find a way to be able to get back to where they were tackling in the first place. And we know that this defense can because we've seen it. We've seen this defense play incredibly well. We've seen this defense make other teams give up. I go to the Steelers game, which is the prime example. That team gave up. And watching a team give up in their own house, which is we saw it against the Browns, is incredibly 
disheartening. And that's hard to do. And this Bengals defense did that. So they need to be able to bring it back. They need to bring back that same attitude and that same grit and that same toughness that they had at the first part of the, at the first part of the year. Whew, that was a lot all at once. So now let's go ahead and jump over to the offensive side of the ball. And before we get on Zach Taylor's play calling, which the past two weeks, I would say, if you want to take a positive out of the past two weeks, you can say that those two losses were not on play calling. I mean, you score 31 points in the NFL, but the defense that has been playing um, as good as they were should be enough to win the game. And, and I mean, and again, they find a way to lose. And what happened, I mean, a lot of people can point to that Joe Burrow interception, and I point to it too. And, and I, I, I'm not going to blame Joe. and I, I'm, I'm going to blame it more on just the play blowing up and the defensive player making a play. And that's just sometimes that happens. That's football. But Joe is now looking at being tied for first with 11 interceptions in the league. Now, I'll say this. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say a lot of that comes from Joe Burrow taking quite a bit of shots and, and, and taking you know deep balls and risky passes. And that has resulted in a lot of really magical moments and a lot of really good moments and a lot of times where the Bengals would get a 30 to 20 to 30 yard gain. But it's also costed us. You go back and you, you want to look at um, interceptions that cost us. Obviously, clearly, I mean, clear as day, the drive against the Browns where he threw a pick six right at the goal line. And you go back and, and I, I really I hated the throw. I hated the throwing option. It almost felt like he was forcing it to Jamar Chase. It's a hard throw. It is something that he should be able to hit, though. It's a tight window, but that's something that we're expecting Joe to hit. That's why we're going to be paying him the big bucks when his rookie contract is up. So you bring it back. And uh, I'm going to pull up a quote here while I'm still talking because uh, Russ Blackthorne brings up a really good point. Um, for those that are listening on podcast, Russ says Bengals already showed us in the first seven games how good they can be. Lowering adjusting expectations because of the last two games, two losses, is defeatist. I still hold them to that winning standard, and he's absolutely right. You should be, we should be holding this team to a winning standard. We should be expecting this team to go out and make the playoffs. We should be expecting this team to win the AFC North. I think this is a team that is complete. I think this is a team that hasn't shown us a full game yet. All right, so let's go back to Joe Burrow. So it's resulted in a lot of really huge plays and defining plays in games. I mean, you go back, You a perfect example is Jamar Chase against the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, it didn't result in a win, but, I mean, Evan McPherson missed three go-ahead field goals that he's supposed to make, and he will make. He's a rookie, so I'm going to give him a little bit of a break on that. But that being said, the, the first interception against the Browns really kind of set the tone. It was just like, Okay, now the Brown the Browns, you know, are up seven nothing, except for us seven up seven nothing. And personally, I think in the NFL, most games are decided within three to five plays. That's usually where the game is really decided at. In college, obviously, the offenses are so high powered and, and teams can so, score so quickly. And, you know, the clock works in favor of the offense on in the college side of the ball. So it's probably more like 15 to 20 plays in the in college that really decide the game. But in the NFL, it's three to five, and that's about it. And that was one of the plays that really decided the game. And even though we came back, and it was really good to see us responding to that pick 
and responding and going down and scoring a, t- scoring a touchdown. However, set the tone for the rest of the game with Brown's defense. Then again, you kept seeing Joe Burrow force some really hard passes, resulting in another interception and resulted in another interception that was called back. But it was a tight window to Jamar Chase. He, they, I believe there was holding either off the ball or, or it was pass interference right on Jamar. But at the end of the day, it was the tightest of windows, and it probably should have been, shouldn't have been a ball that was thrown. So what Joe Burrow needs to do is he just needs to find a way to control those big, risky throws. I'm all, and here's the thing: I'm all for being aggressive, and that's why I like Joe so much, because he throws those risky balls. Because a lot of times, I always go off of chance favors the aggressor, and he'll hit on them. However, when you're on your own twenty and you're trying to get back in the game against the Browns, you can't be throwing a ball into double coverage over the middle. It's just not going to fit. It really is not going to fit. you got to be able to use your other options, and that's another thing I want to get into, and I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that on my blog that's going to be coming out hopefully tomorrow. Um, but basically, it, it, it's just um, he, he's been forcing the ball a little much, and if he can find a way to just rein that back in just a little bit, just enough so that we're not put in really bad spots, this team's going to be really good. And Joe Burrow's going to get back to where uh, we expect him to be. Now, then on top of that, a- another situation you don't throw that is when you're on when you're inside of the five. And honestly, I hated the play call. I, I don't know why Joe Mix is not getting the ball there on the inside of the five. I, I-, I honestly hated the play call. I hate that throw. It's so risky. It's either hit or miss, and the miss is detrimental. Detrimental. And we saw it. I mean, there it is. At any rate, another thing that I would love to see Joe get back to is is sharing the wealth. Obviously, Jamar Chase is is upper echelon of the wide receiver of the wide receivers in the league already. And he's doing this as a rookie. It's absolutely incredible. However, Tyler Boyd is not nearly getting enough looks, and especially on downs that he's really, really good at, like third down. He's just not getting targeted. And I don't know if it's if it's much of Joe. Whenever Joe gets in trouble, it's immediately looked to Jamar. And I understand why Jamar gets open. But we have other receivers open. There are other playmakers on this team. C.J. Uzama, as many moments as he has had, he kind of goes away in games. He kind of disappears. And I think a lot of C.J. Uzama's lack of production is coming from play calling and play positioning. For some reason, they feel the need to keep putting, excuse me, they feel the need to keep putting Drew Sample out on passing routes when clearly C.J. Uzama is the much better pass catcher. So that one I will put on on coaching and uh, play calling but when cj Uzama is in you got to be able to find him and he's just a mammoth of a man he can go up and go get a ball got to be able to share this wealth around and that's something that joe did incredibly well last year before he got injured and he started to do it a little bit in the jets game he was throwing to t higgins a lot and t higgins was making a lot of really good plays and 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 but then on top of that, T had himself a really bad game against the Browns. And to be fair, the wide receivers as a whole had a horrible game against the Browns. I mean, they make a lot of more of those catches. Even when they when uh, the Bengals were down, I believe it was 14 to 28, real late in the 
little late in the fourth. Um, Jamar Chase dropped a deep ball that he usually catches that would have put us inside of the 20 in one play. And if, if that happens, it's an entirely new ball game. There's a new injection of life in the stadium, new injection of life in the team, but he dropped it. Then you go to T. Higgins drop balls in the end zone. There's been plenty of drop balls in the end zone. Then I want to go back to the Jets game. And very specifically, I remember a play where C.J. Uzama and Tyler Boyd are like stepping on each other's feet. Now, clearly, somebody didn't know what route they were running. And somehow they were both open and both of them didn't even go for the ball. Somebody was wrong in that route. And and that's just a mental lapse. And that's something that we haven't seen from a a team, uh, a Zach Taylor coach team yet is many mental lapses. And there were plenty of them the past two weeks. So if, if Joe can, can continue to share the wealth and the wide receivers can get back to doing what they do best, and that's catch the ball, this team is going to do really well and do really well against the Raiders defense. It's really, is, is they're not bad. They, they got, Carl Nassib is, is a beast on the, on the edge. They got a lot. They got a lot going on, and, and but it's not a it's not a defense that I'm particularly scared of. It's not a defense that particularly causes me to really fret. I, it really doesn't. I think this. I think this Bengals team, if they can just get offensive production, they don't need to dictate their game based off of the Raiders. They need to force the Raiders to dictate their game off of them. And basically, what that means is you can't be changing up your game plan so much just to keep um just to keep uh you know offensive production up you need to keep you need to keep with your game plan because that's where the Bengals have played their best when they control the game and they dominate and the Bengals are playing how they want to you obviously see that this team is very very good we got a question from the uh Oh, my mic was muted for a second here. I, if the mic uh, kind of screwed up, I've been having a microphone problems here, but hopefully that it's okay. I'm going to check it right now. Yeah, we're good. Um, okay, so Russ Blackthorne from the comments decided he uh, wanted to jump and throw in a question. Do you think the Jets are still beating us? We haven't been the same since the Jets destroyed our confidence. I believe that, the, I believe, I mean, I mean and, that, and that's a great question. Do you think that the Jets lost? you know, carried over to the Browns loss. I do think it did. I think that was such a deflating loss. And, and to have the game won with seven minutes left, up by 11, and to lose the way that the Bengals did, um, that sticks with teams. It sticks with teams in the NFL, too. You see it happen all the time. Um, so, yeah, Russ, I, I do think that that Jets team, that Jets loss really burnt us. But that's why I think, this bye week came at a great time. I think this bye week was a great reset. Now this Bengals team can come in, refreshed, re-energized, and they can come in and ready to whoop some ass in the league. And it's going to start against the Las Vegas Raiders. Let's look past this week for just a second. Uh, so after the Raiders, you've got your, fi- your season finale against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You already took game one. You can take a stranglehold on the division right here with a win at Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, the eight so far, it's, it's this is so interesting, and it's honestly, it's like it's like a stat. It's like it's really surprising. It's not really shocking. There has yet to be an AFC North matchup. Both teams are from the AFC North, and the home team won. It just kept really, really interesting. So the Bengals could be the first one, and 
for that to happen, they're going to have to do something that the Bengals aren't very good at, and that's win at Paul Brown Stadium against Ben Roethlisberger. Now, obviously, you can say whatever you can, um, or uh, whatever you can against you know about the ben, about Ben Roethlisberger and about how bad he's been this year, and you know whether or not he's even going to play this week. Uh, but that being said, I mean this this Steelers team always finds a way. And one and one key piece that the Steelers are going to have against the Bengals is going to be T.J. Watt. So that's going to be really interesting to see how Zach Taylor game plans around that absolute monster of a defensive end. Uh, that was a really nice long show. Usually, if I don't have uh, a guest, we're we're going to go probably about a half hour. I really appreciate all of you coming in and, and listening in. This has been the Back Row Bengals show. I really appreciate it. Going to have a blog coming out hopefully tomorrow. <clears throat> and uh, to give to give you the final total, the I believe the Bengals are at two point dogs. I think it's getting close to a pick. Em. Take the Bengals. I'm taking the Bengals. I, I think the Bengals win on Sunday. I, I think they go out, and I think they show that this buy was really, really good for them, and they show that they they can come back, and they're ready for business, and it's time to go back out there. It's time to get it together, and it's time to win the AFC North. Everything is still right in front of the Bengals. They can go 7-1 and one in the division, win the AFC North. They can, I mean, hell, they can win out. I mean, that would be incredible. 13-4 13, 13, you know, 13 and four would be absolutely incredible. But they have a lot of winnable games. We really, we've talked about this quite a bit. I, I guess I'm not really going to end the show. I, I got a, one more thing I want to talk about here, and, and that's just uh, the winnable games coming up because they could really bounce back right here. And, and Russ, obviously, Bengals bounce back hard, win by 21. I would love, I would love that, especially in Vegas. The win by 21 would be great. That being said, there's a lot of winnable games down the stretch. I, as the Chiefs have kind of showed up offensively recently. I still think that's a winnable game. You get them in Cincinnati. You go to Denver, which is a team that really doesn't scare me. I mean, they're four and four, so they know how to win. But to Denver does not scare me whatsoever. I I, I think that's a that's a very winnable game. Uh, you have the 49ers coming in. Now they did just beat the Rams, but that being said, I mean, that was on a primetime game in San Francisco, and the Rams weren't exactly correct. And, you know, they just acquired OBJ. And, you know, probably riding in with a hothead and thought they could just, you know, drag them all over everybody. And the 49ers just caught them. But that's, again, that's another winnable game that the Bengals have. And they, they get them, uh, I believe they have them in Cincinnati. So your, your last your last six of your eight are going to be at home. Or no, I think they might have them away. I'm going to have to check that when I get that. But they, again, either way, either way, if you got to go out to, to San Francisco or have them come here, it's a winnable game. You got the Steelers. Obviously, you got the Steelers and the Ravens again. Both teams you've already beat. It's very hard to beat a team a second time in the NFL, but I think this Bengals team can do it. Have hope. Have hope. Get ready for a Bengals win on Sunday. And let's go out there and let's go get it done. This has been the Back Row Bengals Show, brought to you by FanSided.com. I appreciate every single one of you that watched, share everything, liked it, whatever you do. Um, it really helps out the show. It really helps me out. So. We're going to close it out here. I have been your host, Josh Miller, and this has been the Back Row Bengals Show. I appreciate all you, and have a good one. Let's go get a win on Sunday. Hootay! Peace!